Well, I'm pleased to say that today I'm joined by Brian Kelly, also known as The Points Guy, uh, live from New York. Brian, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. How has uh, the pandemic and lockdown been treating you? Very strange times. It, you know, as a frequent traveler, it certainly was a shock to be, you know, for 100 days uh, starting last March, I was, I was on the ground, which was the first time, I think, since I was a high schooler that that had happened. But, you know, while there's certainly been a lot of devastation and this pandemic has been, you know, pretty universally horrible, you know, personally, it, it was nice to get to reset, uh, spend time with family. I picked up uh, riding horses, which is something that I never thought that I would uh, have the time to do. Because, uh, but I, you know, I was able to do that. So there were some positive parts, but I am certainly looking forward to putting this behind us. And for those that don't know about the points, tell us a bit about the background behind it. What what inspired you to start it? How did you grow it? Uh, and, and where's it heading? Yeah, well, I mean, at a base level, you know, frequent flyer miles and credit card points, uh, I've been using since the 1990s when I was a little kid. My dad traveled a lot for work. And one day he said, Brian, if you know, I have all these airline miles, I have no idea how to use them. Uh, if you can figure out, you know, our family of six can go on a trip. And, you know, growing up middle class in the United States, trips were usually Florida, Arizona. But being the uh, over the top little kid that I was, I was 12 and I was researching and I saw the Cayman Islands in the book, The, the Firm by John Grisham. And I was like, let's go to the Caribbean. And my parents were like, we don't have the money for that, but I was able to figure out how to get all of us there for free using his miles. So that was 1996. Um, and from that point on, it became a kind of a, a bonding experience with my dad and I. He would travel, he'd miss my basketball games, but once a year we'd go on a killer vacation using his air miles. Um, so that long story short, I uh, started in, after university, I worked in finance. I was traveling a ton uh, during the financial recession in, in 2007. So I wasn't getting paid, but I had all these airline miles. So I started traveling out of this world um, by leveraging them. And everyone was always like, what trust fund are you on? And I didn't have one. I was actually a little bit in credit card debt, but I was still able to fly BA first with Madonna once and wow. you know, jet to the Seychelles for long weekends. So in 2010, I decided to just start a blog to share my tips. And uh, to say it's, it took off would be an understatement. We've got about 100 employees today, 10 million monthly unique visitors and growing. We've got a lot of exciting stuff coming. So I bet your family were very pleased with you when you were a young boy then. You know, I was the type of kid that was like, I was bored growing up in the suburbs. So I'd either be like, you know, the student body president, or I was getting picked up by the police for drinking with my friends and just being, you know, an idiot. So I always joke, like I was either going to be really successful or, uh, you know, a serial killer. Luckily, so far, I've veered the other way. One or the other, one or the other. And, and tell us a bit, obviously, I think people know, or some people know that you are a gay man. Tell us a bit about your coming out experience. Yeah, so I always knew I was gay ever since I was, you know, a little, little boy. And I think I remember the first gay experience was looking at a new kids on the block uh, playing cards. And forget which one, but I just remember looking at him and being like, oh my God, I love him. He's going to be my husband, even before I even knew what that was. Um, but I, you know, I grew up in a pretty very straight uh, environment. My family is extremely accepting, but I didn't know a single gay person growing up. You know, my out gay person, I should say. Uh, my mom's one of 10 big Irish Catholic, you know, family. 
my so huge family there I didn't have gay uncles or really in the media anyone you know until Queer as Folk came out when I was in high school and that's when I was like oh yeah that's what I am um, and uh, so I went to university joined a fraternity I lived a very straight you know I was in the closet but you know I was focused I was having fun in college I was student body president I started traveling and you know, always just kept it in the back burner. But I knew as soon I went to school in Pittsburgh, and I knew right as I graduated, I was like, I got to get to New York City. And I was offered a great job in pharmaceutical sales to stay in Pittsburgh. But uh, and Pittsburgh's a great city, by the way. Um, in 2005, when I left, it was a lot. There, now there's been a whole food renaissance. It's a, I highly encourage people to visit. But I just knew I've got to get to New York City, and um, and so I came out right after I graduated college. I lived with a gay couple, you know, in, in the tiny New York City apartment that I was renting, that whole lifestyle of, of struggling. But uh, it was, it, you know, from that, I, I, ever since I came out, I always said, I'm never going to go back in the closet. So even when I started my business in 2010, you know, I was always, you know, you always worry about, well, half my audience, you know, at that time, gay marriage wasn't legal in the US, it was a hot button issue. And, you know, half my audience is probably Republicans or people who don't share those same views. So I did think in the beginning, like, should I just be in the closet or be, you know, not say it, but that's not who I am. And, and I can say, and I think why my blog kind of took off, there's tons of other points and miles blogs out there is like, I'm authentic and I would show myself on trips and share my opinions. And that's what people want. People are sick of the questioning if you're following someone you really like and they're closeted it's like frustrating you know so I highly encourage anyone you know I, I've never met a single person who came out and then wishes they had gone back in the closet authenticity then authenticity um, as we know uh, it can be difficult to travel the world as a gay man you obviously travel a lot um, what are some of the highlights of traveling as a gay man and, and countries that have made you feel comfortable while traveling as a gay man yeah well, I, I, so Fundamentally, I believe that travel breaks down barriers. And the reason why we've seen a lot of progress in a lot of parts of the world, including in, you know, in the United States, um, is that open dialogue when people see a gay man as not a threat. I'm not a pedophile. You know, I do a lot of charity work in Africa and people always say, well, you know, the, there's, there's, the gay laws are draconian and how could you support those governments? And so... I would just say, first off, you know, I just be respectful, do your research. This goes for not just being gay, but like, you know, a lot of countries, even the US or UK, the government can take your phone when you're crossing that border and check everything that's on it. So don't be naive is my first thing. Um, and don't push the boundaries, you know, in a lot of Muslim countries, you know, being gay is illegal. Even in Dubai, you can't get on Grindr unless you use a VPN. Um, that's not saying that there's a, not a gay thriving life in Dubai, but you just cannot assume that where you live and the ideals and norms of where you are is everywhere else. And that's what gets people in trouble and letting your guard down, you know, in general, uh, you know, being on grind or meeting someone in a foreign country is dangerous if you don't know who they are. So, uh, you know, I know, I just remember hearing the story about Morocco, how a guy on Grindr, uh, got beat up, went to jail. Like there's a lot of risks to, so, what I would say is in general, you know, when I'm traveling to countries that uh, I know specifically that gay is very taboo, could be dangerous, like I don't need to be meeting people and risking my life. So I like to go and travel, explore that destination, meet really unique people. Um, 
but without putting myself at risk. So that's my personal policy. Um, and, you know, that being said, you know, I'm not going to walk down with my partner holding hands, although in some Middle Eastern countries, it's normal to hold hands. So that, that depends, but kissing in the street. So I would just recommend, I've never had any issues with, you know, as long as I respected the culture, um, you know, in general, governments may have rules, but the day-to-day -day people in that country doesn't necessarily mean they have them as well. And in general, in hospitality, hotels, People always ask Maldives, it's a very strict Muslim country. How could you go? And you know, I, my ex and I very publicly on social media at the Waldorf Astoria, people are messaging me, well, aren't you gonna get jailed? And it's just not the case. You know, in the Maldives basically, you know, yes, the main island of Mali it, uh, is run by the government, but each of the resorts is its own little fiefdom, you know, its own little, and yep. every, you know, it's, let's be real. It's, it's the gays that run the, you know, the hospitality industry in most parts or people who are very open. So, um, you know, you can sleep in a king bed in the Maldives with your partner, same in Dubai. Uh, I generally recommend if you're not, if you're nervous, stay at one of the international US, UK based chains and you should be fine. Yeah, in fact, the Maldives is one of the most popular destinations uh, on travelgay.com and for our other business, outofoffice.com. We send loads of people there. Some people say to us, well, why would you send people to places where it's illegal to be gay? And my answer is always, well, I want to be able to travel to these places. So other gay people do too. And it's about doing it safely. And interestingly, um, you know, the Maldives, it's also technically illegal to drink alcohol because of the Sharia law there. And that's obviously very different when it comes to being in a hotel. So absolutely, I agree with you there that the Maldives and places like that, if you are discreet and you choose the right resort, then uh, then you shouldn't have any problems. But it's about being uh, careful and sensible as well. Exactly. When you're going through immigration, don't scream, well, I just got married to my husband, you know, probably would be fine, you know, but you just, you know, got to be a little bit, a little bit smart. I, I, I do think, I do struggle with Saudi Arabia, although that I'm torn there because I know that, you know, human rights and LGBT rights are terrible. Yeah, Iran, they're beautiful countries with beautiful people and cultures and history. So I do struggle, you know, there is a, a line uh, that needs to be drawn, I do, I do think. And, uh, and I do think we can make change and tourism dollars are valuable. Um, but in general, I don't know. I don't believe putting up walls will help us long-term becoming more accepted into global society. Yeah. Have you had any um, bad travel experiences, uncomfortable travel experiences? I would say, you know, I'm very fortunate. I haven't, you know, I would say I went to Jamaica with an organization called Rainbow Railroad, um, which helps LGBTQ people around the world who are living in desperate situations. You know, it, so many LGBTQ people have been jailed, beat up. And I was shocked when I learned that Jamaica was one of the most anti-gay countries in the world. Um, so I got to go there with um, a camera crew. We did uh, a US uh, uh, 60 Minutes. It's a big uh, tele-documentary show and, and explored the underworld of um, especially trans community in Jamaica. And people were living under bridges. The stories were so heartbreaking that halfway houses across the country and it's just very acceptable. There's no justice. If you kill a trans person in Jamaica, the chances of you, the police caring, are slim to none. And so it was a really desperate situation. So it wasn't personally me where I felt uncomfortable. I'm six foot seven, white, privileged man with resources. And uh, that's not to say that I'm untouchable by any sense of the word. And I don't let my guard down, but I'm very fortunate. 
It is different if you're if you're a foreigner in a in a country as well. You do get a different sense of um, respect and rules laid out to you than than the locals, unfortunately. That's you're you're exactly right. And while certainly tourists have gotten in trouble, and I do recommend to people, you know, a lot of travelers who are naive, you know, U.S. is rich government. If I get in trouble, it's fine. My government will bail me out. They actually won't usually. Um, and I, not that I've ever been arrested abroad, but I want to remind people that you cannot travel assuming I'm from the UK, US, my embassy will get me out and everything will be fine. And I've actually interviewed members of the State Department. The US actually doesn't do that specifically. They may help you get legal counsel that you can then pay for yourself. But um, so yeah, so ha- traveling with that notion of I'm from a, a rich country and I can do as I please in other countries is, uh, is not a thing so anyone not that people watching this probably would do that but i like to remind people that you you really do still have to be have your wits about you when you travel let's talk a bit more about rainbow railroad we spoke recently to abc's james longman who um went to chechnya and um saw the awful things happening there and spoke to the head of chechen police in fact he, he was brave enough to come out on camera and the chechen police kind of dismissed it and laughed but there's a lot of bad stuff happening in Chechnya. Even in the last week or so, we've heard about two men being taken back from Russia to Chechnya. Uh, you know, Rainbow Railroad has done a lot of work in, in that region, in other countries as well, trying to help uh, LGBT people escape these appalling situations. You know, I first heard of Rainbow Railroad when I read it about five years ago in the New York Times, they talked about Chechnya and the gay concentration camps. And I remember reading, oh, come on, what a sensationalist media headline, there can't be. And the more I read and the Human Rights Watch chimed in and the, the real reports on the ground were, oh no, you know, the, the government in Chechnya doesn't believe that gay is a thing. It's a scourge and a disease and it needs to be rounded up and, and snuffed out. Uh, and I remember sitting there thinking, oh my God, I'm so fortunate. I am in a country where my family embraced me when I came out. I could start a very successful business, be who I am on TV, you know, travel the world. And, and so many people can't even live in their own homes without fear of, police coming and knocking at their door. You know, the police in Chechnya were arresting people, taking phones, finding, reading through text messages, getting some, I mean, it was a real, it is still a real big, so I'm I'm like, what do I do? What can I do? We can all do something. There's, you know, so Rainbow Railroad, um, I contacted, I started hosting some fundraisers and just raising awareness because I don't think even in the gay community, people understood how bad it was. And it's not just Chechnya, sadly. It's Egypt, it's Jamaica, um, you know, uh, Uganda has the kill the gays laws where people, you, you know, LGBTQ um, protesters recently were killed, uh, 2020, actually maybe even 2021, I think it was early this year. So the bottom line is, <clears throat> so the bottom line is we're not going to change the laws and people's opinions overnight, but what we can do is save people, you know, uh, who are at high risk of being killed or jailed. So that's what Rainbow Railroad does. They work with um, grassroots um, organizations across the the globe and really identifying the most at-risk people, people whose families, you know, may want to do an honor killing, which is accepted in a lot of countries, which is shocking. You're allowed to kill someone who disgraces your family, people who have stood up for others, people have been jailed. So we take these people and, and Uh, I run a site of all out air miles. So we had our readers donate millions of miles and we actually use points 
to book tickets to get someone. You know, if we get someone from Chechnya, we'll get them to a safe house in Moscow or St. Petersburg. We'll then book them a flight to Argentina, for example. I'm just giving a random example that it, you know, Russians need visas to come to the US or Canada. There's a lot of different ways where we can get people to safety and travel is one of the biggest expenses. So I've been very passionate about Rainbow Railroad. We save lives. Um, and I got to go to Toronto and meet with about 15 um, of uh, the gay men from Chechnya who we have helped. And we had this dinner. I mean, I get chills thinking about it now, but just looking in the eyes, you know, we were listening to Lady Gaga and this guy said, you know, my life was over. I had no hope. Um, I was just counting the days till I died. And he goes, I remember when I came to Toronto, got settled. There's a community that helped them. So Rainbow Railroad, it's not just getting people, it's acclimating them, getting them jobs, building community. And a lot of them do end up in Canada. And he said that the first time I went to the Lady Gaga concert, I was out in the field and I felt so free and I just started bawling. And all I want is to listen to music and have friends and family, like all the things that we take for granted. Um, so it's cool to be a part of that experience. You know, I do believe we still need to lobby governments and it's going to take time, but you know, we all have, even if you have a little bit of money or donate your miles, Rainbow Railroad is doing incredible work. Amazing, an amazing cause. Um, speaking of governments, um, we've noticed quite a lot recently that there are a lot of governments uh, throwing money at LGBT now, almost as an afterthought, because they've realised, hold on a minute, this is good for business. So they realise that LGBT travellers travel more uh, than heterosexual uh, travellers each year. They spend more in destination. They tend to have more disposable income. It's interesting now how we can see that translating into marketing campaigns. There's still a long way to go, though, isn't there, in terms of hotels, destinations, airlines, uh, really leveling up when it comes to LGBT marketing. You're, you're totally right. But I think, you know, a lot of companies, I know Delta Airlines in the U.S. is a prime example. They're based in Atlanta uh, in the South, which is historically a non-LGBTQ friendly place in terms of local laws. But not just putting money to lure. I like companies who actually put money into advocacy, supporting their employees. So when you, whenever you see a, a brand putting together, great, your pride package, you know, free drinks at the bar. Okay, that's one thing. But like I ask, I recommend travelers go a step further, see what that company's actually done for the community before you give them kudos. Oh, wait, they're welcoming LGBTQ people. That's awesome. They're great. They're advocates and allies. Well, are they really? You know, I like looking up the human rights campaign has a great score for a lot of the top companies. You know, how are they treating their own employees? Do they have uh, benefits for their trans employees. That's the real sign of kind of a pro LGBTQ company that I would, you know, give, give my dollars to. So, but yes, I mean, it's great to see, um, you know, in the U S specifically companies have a lot of power. So, you know, and as travelers, we should be pushing companies to support our community and it, it, they do listen on social media. Um, so yeah, I highly recommend people, um, you know, push the companies that you give money to, to support your cause. Absolutely. Um, let's talk a bit about the pandemic and the future of travel. Um, the future of travel uh, is complex right now as we sit here. Um, we don't know when it will fully open up again, um, but we remain positive. And I think, uh, you know, people are looking ahead to the next 12, 18 months to figure out when they'll be able to travel, where they'll be able to travel. What, what sense do you have of how things are progressing, whether that's from a US perspective or from a global perspective? Well, 
I think the first thing I'll say is we've been through a lot. We still have a, a lot ahead of us. But, you know, I do hate how it's all doom and gloom headlines all the time. People love this negative, negative narrative and just focusing on the negative things. I think what's incredible are the vaccines. There are now a number of vaccines. I think it's incredible that we have very effective vaccines that are extremely, you know, they may not be 100% effective, but they, in the 90s, when it comes to hospitalizations and death, which is frankly what we care about. If you got COVID every year and it was a sniffle, that wouldn't grind the world to a halt. So instead of just focusing on, it's not 100% effective, let's look at hospitalizations and deaths. And that is incredibly promising. Plus right now there's a shortage Within the next several months in the U.S. specifically, most Americans will be vaccinated by the summer, those who want it at least. We're already seeing a lot of countries, Seychelles, Iceland, coming up with, if you have the vaccine, you'll be able to come in. I do believe the vaccine will open up travel. I do believe vaccine passports will be, uh, not every country, I don't think the U.S. will adopt them, but I think, you know, better testing, verified testing. You know, I've traveled over the last year and anyone can print out an old test result and you know, nice lady at the airline check-in is not going to call your home pharmacy in the middle of the night to, you know, so I do believe the advancements in technology testing um, and the vaccine will open up travel. I think this summer will be open to an extent, not going to be open borders like crazy, but I do believe, you know, younger people, people who have been vaccinated, uh, countries that depend on tourism, the Greece's and Spain's of the world, I think will have to come up with something that that balances uh, tourism and those who are vaccinated and really don't pose a risk. And even though that we don't know exactly, you know, the transmission, it's the numbers are looking good. So I am optimistic. I do think 2022 summer will be the big boom of travel where we see sold out cruises, flights, et cetera. But I mean, I've been fortunate enough to travel this past year. I've had some of my best trips um, requires a little bit of extra jumping through hoops, but you know, I got to go to Croatia in August where it was nearly empty, um, once in a lifetime sort of experience to go to Dubrovnik in August and have the old town to yourself. Oh, yeah. um, I went to Tahiti, swam with the whales in Morea. Uh, the humpback whales migrate there every July through October. I wouldn't say I was alone, but maybe 25% capacity and just, I mean, unbelievable. Rwanda, I went this December, uh, safari in Kenya. So, I, you know, I, I highly, I mean, I respect people who haven't traveled and uh, it's, it is a tough balance, not bragging about my travels, but that's what I do. And I know a lot of people have enjoyed watching my travels, even if they can't themselves. So I would recommend once you're comfortable, feel free, you know, don't worry about travel shaming, you know, travel responsibly at, you know, still wear a mask, even if you're vaccinated. And, but, you know, there still are really authentic travel experiences to be had uh, before we're completely out of this uh, and there's a lot of points built up, I imagine. A lot of people have a lot of points to spend, right? So many points to spend because, you know, especially in the U.S. where it's just bonkers how much you can earn points. The credit card companies have come back. They're now giving PayPal credits. Um, you, you can use your points for groceries. The number of promotions is staggering. The sign-up bonuses are huge. So, yeah, we are seeing it at the points. We're about to launch our app, which is uh, going to track all your points, give you your net worth in points. And then also the tools to use them, because um, that's the big thing. A lot of people have points. Oh, I go on BA and I can't find the seat that I want. We're coming out with technology that's going to help people uh, learn about their points, earn more points, and then burn them, you know, so you can get value and travel the world. So that will be launching in uh, summer 2021. I think it'll coincide nicely with 
people saying, I need a trip and I have all these points. So there's going to be no better time to use them. I swear in the, uh, in the gay community as well, we're all points hoarders and collectors. I mean, I, I go to a meal with my friends and we all put on our British Airways Amex card like that. It's like a kind of, you know, referral scheme almost. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, it's a, I actually got us, you know, so I started reading flyer talk, which is a, uh, you know, online forums. <clears throat> I found that I think in 2003 or four, and there was a huge LGBT group. Um, and we shared tips and travel and we all used our points. So, you know, I started points guy in 2010. So for six years, I was a part of this, um, you know, gay online community. We went to gay Oktoberfest in Munich, which was hilarious. It was one of the most, have you been to the, no, I haven't, but I'm desperate to go. Oh my God. I was so shy. I'd never been to Oktoberfest or Munich and you know, drag queens with the steins of beer, um, you know, it's several thousand drunk, drunk German and tourists and starting to drink at 7 a.m. <clears throat> What's not to love? It was, uh, yeah, things got really spicy by noon. It was like, wow, I was, I was with my ex at the time. And I was like, you know, this is, this is turning into something crazy. <laughs> but no, we had so much fun. Uh, highly recommend uh, gay Oktoberfest. Where, uh, where is on your bucket list? You've traveled a lot of places. Where is left? Where do you want to hit up as soon as uh, travel really properly reopens? So I want to hit up Machu Picchu uh, because, you know, before the pandemic, it was overcrowded. There were all these calls to, you know, shut it down, let it heal. And, you know, I think the plus side of the pandemic is a lot of these overcrowded places have had that chance. So I want to go to Machu Picchu before it becomes overcrowded again. Also, um, I'm a big scuba diver and I want to go to uh, the Galapagos. I've never been to Ecuador or Peru. So that, that's I might do it as one big trip. Um, but diving in the Galapagos and doing a, a little cruise to all the islands. I love animals. So those two are at the very top of my list. What's Sounds on your words? Sounds, uh, well, I, I managed to get away to the Seychelles uh, this year, which is beautiful. I love the Indian Ocean. But yeah, like you, I think Machu Picchu is uh, is up there. One of my team went there recently and absolutely raved about it. Said it was the best thing he's ever done. Taking the train. I mean, the just Belmont somewhere. train, everyone says it's so fabulous. The Belmont train, exactly, exactly. And I also, speaking of Belmont, I really want to go on the Orient Express. Uh, that would be a bucket list Same. as well. I, think. I, I want to do the one in the Scottish Highlands too. Yeah, that, so, would be, that would be. I good. think that'll be like one of the themes post travel is people finally taking their bucket list, cool trip that you've wanted to do. You know, I do think a lot of people. You know, we like what we like. I know a lot of people go to the same place year over year. It's what they know. But I hope people, you know, once they're able to travel and realize that travel can be taken from us at any time. It's like make it count. Take those trips that, you know will re-energize your soul and will give you something to talk about for the rest of your life instead of just doing that that simple beach trip that you know what you're going to get when you go. Absolutely. And just finally, um, if you've got to give tips to people who are really wanting to get into the points game, start collecting points, start you know thinking, right, I'm going to use these points to travel to save some money. Where does someone begin? Yeah. So obviously thepointsguy.com or if you're in the UK and Europe, we uh, thepointsguy.co.uk. We've got a great team we do all the heavy lifting. So we'll analyze if you have uh, BA miles right now and you don't know how to use them, just Google how to maximize BA miles, the points guy. We have a post or multiple posts for every major currency, every credit card, how to get the most value out of my Amex Platinum. Trust me, our team of experts dig in, they update that monthly or, or even more. So, and the best, the number one tip is just, you know, your credit card in the US specifically, it's incredible. You should be earning more than one point for all your purchases. 
um, you know, get a transferable points card. So even if you fly American Airlines, you may not just want to have all your miles with American, the American credit card, you fly American. Well, what happens when you want to take Emirates to this Maldives, because that's the best way to fly there or Qatar and their Q suite, you want to diversify. So, you know, kind of like your investment portfolios, you don't want to just put your whole retirement on Apple. Well, that may pay off sometimes, you know, like you put yourself at risk. Um, so yeah, diversify, get credit cards that reward you for what you're spending money on. And then educate yourself. I think points are so cool because the more you read up on how to redeem them, you can get more value. Points are not necessarily pegged to the cost of the ticket. You know, all these currencies have really unique loopholes and, you know, it takes a little bit to climb that mountain to understand that realm of intermediate expert points and miles. But once you unlock that knowledge, it's insane what you can do, where you can go. Um, and so it can be overwhelming to think about it, but you know, there's plenty of other points and miles blogs out there as well, but I think the points guy's the best. Absolutely. I, I, I tell you what, my favorite was, I think I went to the Maldives on Etihad using Alitalia points because it was loads cheaper and I ended up paying like 50 euros in taxes for business class to the Maldives. It was- There's, there's so many arbitrage opportunities. You can buy points. Current. If you like flying first class, you know, it's $10,000 to fly, but you know, for example, you can buy, you used to be able to buy Alaska Airlines miles for like 3,000 to be able to fly Emirates first class, you know, so uh, even if you don't have a credit card or whatever, there's still other ways to break in these points and miles. It's a really fun, you know, I always say it's like doing the crossword puzzle, but by the end of the puzzle, instead of just feeling satisfaction, you get a free trip. And so, people have got time on their hands now, so they should start now the searching. Start Brian Kelly, The Points Guy, thank you so much for speaking to us at TravelGay.com. Thanks for having me. Safe travels and I'll meet you in Machu Picchu. Thanks for listening to the Travel Gay podcast. This has been a Travel Gay production. I'm Darren Byrne. For loads more travel ideas, check out TravelGay.com or follow us at Travel Gay on Instagram.